Welcome to Day 246 of Shaped by the Word. I'm Paul Camp here with Katie Kresge and Matthew Kresge, and we continue through the Gospel of Matthew. Deeply love the Gospel of Matthew. It's one of the Gospels more deeply tied, and of course it'd be hard to distinguish any Gospel that's not deeply tied to the Hebrew Scripture. But uh, Matthew brings a Hebrew mindset to the way that he reads Scripture and sees Scripture fulfilled in Jesus. And so it's been wonderful in the birth narratives and in the teaching of Christ. And, of course, in the section we're in now is emphasizing the works of Christ, the things that he does that manifest the kingdom presence through healing and interacting um, with, with people who are diseased and firmed and on the borderlines of society. So we pick up in um, Matthew chapter 9. And as always, as we enter this moment, uh, we enter this moment knowing it is a holy moment that we read Scripture as God's gift to us. It reveals His heart and His character. And, and more than that, through the Spirit, it has transformative power um, to mold our heart and our character uh, after the person of Christ. And, of course, the Gospels offer us beautiful opportunity to see Christ and to respond to Him. Mm-hmm. So before we uh, read, Matt, why don't you uh, offer, offer this moment to the Lord. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you that your mercies are new every day. Thank you for the gift of your word that you have spoken to us, uh, both through your word and through your son. And as we um, open your word together, would we, um, with the psalmist, behold wonderful things from your law. And and um, Father, would you use it to transform us? We thank you um, that every time we read uh, your word, um, we're, we're drawn into a deeper intimacy with you, a deeper fellowship with you. But at the same time, um, we're we're convicted of sin, we're comforted, um, we're encouraged, exhorted, and, and we pray that, that all those things would be true um, in, this, in this time, that, Father, you would do um, what only you can do through your word, and, and we thank you for the Spirit who uh, now dwells in us, who in, in illuminates Scripture to us. Um, Father, would you give us much wisdom as we read, guide us, um, help us to, to be faithful to what you have spoken. Um, and would you use it to accomplish your purposes in us? We love you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Matthew chapter 9. Uh, Jesus stepped into a boat, crossed over, and came to his own town. Some men brought to him a paralyzed man lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, Take heart, son. Your sins are forgiven. Then some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, This fellow is blaspheming. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, Why do you entertain evil thoughts in your heart? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, get up, take your mat, and go home. Then the man got up and went home. The crowd saw this, they were filled with awe, and they praised God, who had given such authority to men. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting in a tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told them, and Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Then John's disciples came and asked him, How is it that we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus answered, How can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. Then they will fast. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth 
on an old garment, for the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. Neither do people pour new wine into old wide skins. If they do, the skins will burst, the wine will run out, and the wine skins will be ruined. Now they pour new wine into new wine skins, and both are preserved. While he was saying this, a synagogue leader came and knelt before him and said, My daughter has just died, but come and put your hand on her and she will live. Jesus got up and went with him, and so did his disciples. This and a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. She said to herself, If only I touch his cloak, I will be healed. Jesus turned and saw her. Take heart, daughter, he said. Your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed at that moment. When Jesus entered the synagogue leader's house and saw the noisy crowd and the people playing pipes, he said, Go away, the girl is not dead but asleep. But they laughed at him. After the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took the girl by the hand, and she got up. News of this spread through all that region. As Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, calling out, Have mercy on us, son of David. When he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him, and he asked them, Do you believe that I'm able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched their eyes and said, According to your faith, let it be done to you. And their sight was restored. Jesus warned them sternly. See that no one knows about this. But they went out and spread the news about him all over that region. While they were going out, a man who was demon-possessed and could not talk was brought to Jesus. And when the demon was driven out, the man who had been mute spoke. The crowd was amazed and said, Nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, It is by the prince of demons that he drives out demons. Jesus went all the towns in the village, teaching in their synagogue, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest. Uh, I love in Matthew's account, um, both uh, the paralyzed man and, of course, the woman with the bleeding, uh, his first word to them is take heart mm-hmm. or, or be revived in heart. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, he, uh, he, he, he heals them. So this is a nice section which is really you know, demonstrating much of what Mark has demonstrated, uh, the kingdom of God present in the person of Jesus through restoring all kinds of diseases and all kinds of sicknesses, and more importantly in the one account, uh, restoring uh, what was lost to sin. So it's a beautiful you know, section of scripture, and it's a fun one to read. Mm-hmm. He does it with a lot more economy than either Mark or Luke. Mm-hmm. We get details in Mark and Luke that we don't get in Matthew, but he just moves quickly you know, from one section to the other. Mm-hmm. And so it is kind of a fun section. So what are some of the things that stand out as you, as you read this passage? I think one of the cool things about him not giving as many details is that even in one chapter, you're seeing so many people being affected by this restoration, this bringing the kingdom. Like you see um, the mute being able to speak, the blind being able to see, paralyzed man being able to walk. And then just two chapters later, Jesus is sending John's disciples back to John. You know, I don't want to get too ahead, but saying, these are the things that are happening. This is this is a sign pointing to the fact that the kingdom is here. Right. And if, you hear the, if you hear the kingdom described in the Old Testament prophets, uh, this is exactly what you expect. You you expect the restoration of all things. And so Jesus, as the kingdom enters, you see uh, the early signs of restoration, which will one day encompass all of creation. Everything will be restored. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, not not simply restored, but even greater than uh, the original new creation, which mm-hmm. in every instance was good, good, and, and very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I think that's a. I mean. A great insight from Katie, because sometimes in our Bible reading, it's really good of you to say that. Yeah, you know, for the sake of that. your marriage, yeah. you know, because <laughs> and everything else. Sometimes in our Bible reading, we can so section off our readings according to chapters or paragraphs, and so we will read a story where Jesus does raise a you know girl from the dead and heals a woman, and, we, and then we kind of wonder, well, how, how does this apply to me? What does Jesus want to heal from me? But just two chapters later, you know, these stories aren't just you know they're not just isolated stories that we need to take a lesson from. Matthew's showing us in these stories that the kingdom really has come near. Mm-hmm. And when, you know, John the Baptist is wondering, man, what what is my cousin up to? Is he really the Messiah? You know, Matt, earlier on, as we're reading Matthew, we should be thinking, these are all the things that the Old Testament prophesied that the Messiah would do, and he's doing it. And I love the way he's doing it. You, you pointed out at the beginning, you know, he says, take heart, son, to the man laying on the mat, and take heart, daughter, to the, yeah. you know, the lady and like what a beautiful you know take heart son take heart daughter you know the, just the tenderness and the compassion in which Jesus sees those who are you know outsiders yeah. and, mm-hmm. That's a good point. And, and also very interesting uh, you know Jesus is a you know is a very young man mm-hmm. uh, and instead of using the word brother and sister using the word son and mm-hmm. daughter mm-hmm. and of course it would have been common you know for an older man you know, to speak, you know, to speak in those terms, but it also has the emphasis of you know, what he is coming to do, yeah. uh, to redeem and restore many sons and daughters. Yeah. I, of course, love the passage um, about him calling Matthew because it's written by Matthew. And uh, so it's just interesting to hear his perspective and, um, or just really to see his perspective here because he can relate so much to these tax collectors and sinners that these Pharisees are um, are questioning, you know, why in the world is this man, this rabbi, eating with these people? And Matthew, I mean, he has experienced it firsthand, the grace that Jesus has to offer him. Um, and, yeah, and then, then Jesus uses um, in verse 13 this reference from Hosea, but go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Um, and for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And he's totally calling them out, right? Like he is big time calling these Pharisees out. <laughs> no, that you know, just that simple line. You not you guys need to go back to school is what he's saying. Oh man, uh, you've read the entire Old Testament and you've become meticulous in law keeping, but you've missed the heart of God. And the heart of God is His mercy towards sinners. And of course, everything God has done from beginning. You know, uh, with Abraham has been redemptive, mm-hmm. and has been restorative, and uh, they are everything but you know redemptive uh, and restorative, and it is a uh, uh, and of course you have the two you know the heart of you know the heart of the the laws loving God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength mm-hmm. and loving your neighbor as yourself and if we are going to love neighbor well mercy is going to be a big part mm-hmm. of it mm-hmm. and. Uh, and in the Hebrew, the word would have been, you know, something that is more like faithfulness, mm-hmm. or, or faithful love, or covenant faithfulness by embracing those around you and uh, seeing them as as members of God's people and loving them as God loves them Himself. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a very poignant phrase. Yeah. And you have to love how He says it. You know, go and learn what this means. Mm-hmm. They would have learned that verse, and I think that's one of the things we think of. Like a lot of times, you know, they would have 
in a sense, you, know, you can't hear it on the audio podcast, you know, quotes, but have mastered the Old Testament. They would have memorized the entirety of Scripture. Matt was there quoting yeah. Yeah. for you guys. For the video, yes. they saw it. Yeah. You know, but you know, they would have mastered the entirety of the Old Testament when it came down to you know, memorizing knowing and knowing it. And Jesus is saying, no, you actually haven't learned it. You need to go back and learn what this truly means. Because right. if you knew mm-hmm. the meaning of it, you know, you would, your lives would look very different. You would be mastered by scripture. And you wouldn't have a problem with me eating with tax collectors and sinners because you yourself would realize that you are one of them too, that you're just as much of a sinner. Yeah, as and, they. and there is the irony, you know, I've not come, mm-hmm. you know, for those who are well, but for those who are mm-hmm. sick, I've not come yeah. to call the righteous, but sinners. Mm-hmm. And of course, there is no one that, uh, spiritually speaking, you know, falls outside of those categories. We're all deeply broken and we are all deeply you know sinful at our very core and it's not that the you know the pharisees didn't need this message matter of fact more than anything else this shows how much they needed the message because they had missed the heart of the father you know toward his people and toward all people mm-hmm. um, yeah I, I i think that we need to when we read this i specifically um need to just be reminded that I have a problem when I don't see that I'm that I'm sick and that there are things that I need restoration for. And um, we have a problem when we are seeing every everybody else's junk and sin. And of course, we know that passage that we just read a few chapters back in the Sermon on the Mount, right? Where we all, all we see is everybody else's little specks in their eyes, and we don't see the log. So, and it's a problem. And um, and I think as a people, as a society, it's a really big problem when we aren't seeing our own sin and dealing with that with the Lord and asking Him to heal us um, before we go out and start pointing our finger at other people. Yeah, you know, Jesus will later say, those who have um, been loved much, love much. Mm-hmm. And uh, when we act in mercy, we realize what extravagant mercy has been you know, given us. Mm-hmm. And when we fail to act in mercy, we, we minimize uh, the mercy it took to bring us into relationship, you know, with the Heavenly Father, and we maximize, you know, the amount of mercy that it takes to bring another person in, and it's really mm-hmm. far more, they have far more in common. Mm-hmm. Um, we have far more in common when of anybody that we would imagine as the worst of sinners mm-hmm. than we do as the, the most righteous mm-hmm. on that. And you have the nice little, you know, enigmatic you know reference you know to the gospel about a, a patch of yeah. unshrunk cloth and a uh, wine you know old wine and new wine skins and, and you have this beautiful you know picture of how the fulfillment of the kingdom is uh, in continuity you know with everything that we've learned before in the old testament we desire mercy and not sacrifice you need to go back and learn that but how much more brilliant it is in the person of Christ, so that it really burst all of our categories, mm-hmm. and uh, what a beautiful picture of what the gospel does, and, and and that should be a gospel response for us. If we continue to, it's not just a one-time thing. The deeper we go in the gospel, the more it should shatter our categories and bring us into a category that's deeply unique: the work of the Heavenly Father through the Lord Jesus Christ in His life, death. And resurrection pouring out of the spirit ascension to the right hand of the father mm. and his soon return <laughs> 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 all right we, we've read our time so and most most of it was because of just one last sentence uh, on my part no. Teddy, could you close us in, in prayer 
Father, thank you for this chapter and um, all the ways that we can see even one chapter um, in your word, see this restoration taking place through Jesus Christ. And um, and so, Father, would you continue to restore? Would you continue to reconcile us to you and um, do a work in us and, and use us as instruments of reconciliation, um, agents of grace in the world around us, God? Um, help us to remember that it might not look as big and epic um, as we expect, but that it might look like a simple act um, that's consistent and um, consistently loving. So thank you for what the work you have done and continue to do in us through your spirit. That's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.